And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning. And to check out my week daily B2B marketing tips and emails, free playbooks, podcasts, or whenever you're ready to apply to work with me, head over to samdunning.org. But first, we've got to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Dealfront. Getting through to decision makers is harder than ever before. Most data tools promise the earth, but just don't deliver. Imagine your sales and marketing team could target ideal fit leads and close deals with a single tool. There's no need to imagine. Dealfront's revenue engine is built on live European data in multiple languages. Access information other platforms can't. Easily select decision makers you want to start conversations with, grab their direct cell phones and emails. Its algorithm understands the nuances in EU data, languages, culture and regulations. Dealfront draws from three layers of data, market signals, web visitors and EU company databases. The platform's built for Europe's strict compliance standards, offering transparency into how it sources data, giving you GDPR compliance other platforms just can't compete with. Grab a free demo today at dealfront.com. That's dealfront.com or visit the link in the description below. So today, I'm joined by Stuart Moss. Stuart is the Director of Sales Development over at Dealfront. We're going to be chatting about if AI for B2B sales is worth your time or not. We're going to go through the brutally honest pros and cons when it comes to using AI to set meetings. Is it worth your SDR, your sales development team, getting stuck into? We can talk about the impacts, the good, the bad, the ugly, and how you can actually leverage it properly to impact your bottom line and get those meetings scheduled with ideal fit clients with that welcome to the show Stuart how are we hey Sam yeah I'm good thanks mate how are you doing well thank you sir Friday afternoon here (laughs) in the UK we're ready to wrap things up and hopefully have an enjoyable conversation about the, the good bad and the ugly when it comes to AI so first and foremost I mean you've only got to scroll on LinkedIn and you'll you'll see one post a second saying how great AI is and the other person saying it's probably the worst thing ever invented when it comes to sales development. So Stuart, is, is AI really a good thing when it comes to sales on a B2B landscape? Oh, that's so that is a tricky question to answer with a definitive yes or no, but I'm going to give it a go. So I think yes. However, uh, it isn't a good thing for probably 80% of people who are too reliant on it want AI to just do all of their job for them and be very, very lazy uh, and just hit send on emails that it generates or do their job for them. And for those people, the harsh reality, as you said at the beginning, the brutal side of it is AI will probably replace you within the next few years. Um, Certainly once we get past that early adopter stage of a lot of these tools uh, and people embrace it fully. Uh, So in that sense, no, it will not be a good thing for you. Uh, but for the people that do embrace it um, to do the heavy lifting and to help supercharge their efficiency, AI is going to be an absolute game changer. And yes, it is a great thing for you. Gotcha. So what we're saying is perhaps don't use it to do everything, but there are advantages of things that it can take off your workload to improve processes. So let's let's kind of break this down a bit when it comes to we're going to be focusing on from a meeting setting point of view 
So when it comes to that, what are some of the ways that AI can be useful? Yeah, great question. So here's a really good example of that. Um, one thing that a lot of uh, companies will ask you to do um, is lead with personalization or at mm. least try and lead with some level of relevancy uh, to people. Now, uh, most decision makers are absolutely inundated uh, with terrible um, outreach from SDRs in their inbox or their spam folder most of the time, uh, or really poor cold calls that are just totally generic. Um, and that's why people are less receptive to it. The good news there is the barrier of entry or, or the bar is set very, very low in terms of what good looks like. So to differentiate yourself is you, you're not a million miles away from probably where uh, those generic people are anyway, because that bar sure. is really low. However, a really good example of how you can take away the workload of doing that research, personalization, uh, is to use a free uh, chat GPT plugin for Chrome called Summarize. Okay. Um, and you can go onto anyone's LinkedIn profile, click the Chrome, pro uh, Chrome plugin from ChatGPT, uh, and Summarize will literally do that. It will summarize their entire social profile for you and break it down to say, hey, Sam does these things, or Sam cares about this, and Sam's posted recently about these things. Um, it will summarize literally everything in someone's profile and all the interesting points for you. And so in that case, you can save yourself a long time trying to figure out those bullet points you can press a button, have them, take them, and then use them to help craft uh, a personalized message or change a template so it feels very personalized and one-to-one -one, um, very quickly and easily and drive that efficiency using AI that way. Got it. So we're talking about essentially doing things that I suppose from a manual standpoint could take quite a long time, i.e. if you've got a list of, I don't know, 200, 500 prospects and your target market that you're trying to set meetings with, I suppose, going through each LinkedIn profile manually and trying to find a, a relevant point that you can bring up on a cold email, a LinkedIn message, or a cold call would traditionally take quite a long time, right? Yeah, it could take hours, right? And, you know, SDRs can sometimes take a long time to learn that skill of how to, you know, take that information or find it quickly and then tailor that into something tangible that can be used. Um you know, there's without doing a cheap plug, there's lots of tools out there that will help give you triggers. Sales Navigator will show you triggers for people. Dealfront shows triggers. People like Apollo and Zoom Info do the same thing. Um, and people like Cognizant. Uh, but essentially, how many times do, you, do people get emails that say, congratulations on the new role. By the way, we have this product that you should buy. And it's you're just using that trigger as something so vague and generic that you don't really care about is not good. But if you can use that trigger and know something else personal about that person when it's not taking you any time, suddenly you boost your effectiveness. Go so ahead. I'm absolutely for AI, but I'm for it doing the heavy lifting of your role so that you take away all of the grunt work, all of the stuff that takes hours every single day of your life so you can focus on the actual parts of your role that move the needle. And for SDRs and salespeople, that is the human interaction that you have with people. I think what might be quite interesting and useful for the audience is if we perhaps share some of the frameworks and break down those that you folks at Dealfront use as you're directing the SDR team, perhaps across some of the channels, if you're up for that, diving into that in a sec. And before we do, for anyone that's not familiar with triggers, Stuart, could you break down what that means and how that can be useful from a setting meeting standpoint? 
Yeah, of course. So um, certain tools like LinkedIn Sales Navigator or Dealfront does it or uh, lots of other providers uh, will highlight to you uh, automatically via notifications if certain things happen either for the company uh, that you're you're looking at or you're following or decision makers individually. So for example, I mentioned job changes there. So if someone changes roles or gets promotions, you might be notified by your uh, your tool, or if they post something socially, you could be notified. There's a trigger for you to go and look at this. Equally, on a company level, uh, that could be things like uh, they've just been funded, or they've had a great quarter or a bad quarter, or they're in the press for something individual. Uh, and the tools will notify you to that in the moment so you can quickly leverage it. And it's relevant, it's timely for you to reach out with those specific trigger points. Nice. Nice. And we have got a dedicated episode on triggers. So if you search Jamie Business Growth Show, Sam Dunning or similar, we had Jamie from uh, Selligence on a while ago where we talked about the power of triggers. And like you mentioned there, really, Stuart, some of those can be really impactful if one of your champions, or one of your contacts moves roles that you were doing business with before, or they just get funding or there's something relevant that can have business impact, like you say, so you can strike up a a warmer conversation because perhaps your offer fits in with what's going on in their organization. So that makes good sense. So yeah, let's, let's go back to talking about outreach frameworks could be quite fun, I reckon. So when it comes to kind of key channels for setting meetings, what do you tend to use at Dealfront in terms of the main platforms you, you do outreach on? Uh, so uh, as in the modalities, you mean, sorry, Sam? Yeah. Like email, LinkedIn or cold calls or, is there like yes. a couple that you tend to have success with? So those three are our main channels, essentially. So unsurprisingly, email, phone call, and LinkedIn are our three main go-tos. Um, however, there's nuances within that. Um, right. And that's both on a regional level. So uh, Dealfront predominantly focuses on uh, Europe. And sure. so um, a lot of our uh, the, the regions within that, have their own nuances. So some some regions LinkedIn doesn't work very well for our SDRs. Some some people almost exclusively double down on LinkedIn and have amazing results from it. Uh, equally the same with phones and emails. Um, I think it's regionally dependent and, and can differ based on local laws as well. So places like Germany, uh, where um, Dealfront is an amalgamation of uh, two different companies. So Leadfeeder and Echobot. Echobot is German, Leadfeeder was Finnish. Um, sure. In Germany, for example, on the EchoBot side of, of Dealfront, uh, you have things like double opt-in, right? So email becomes a bit trickier. Um, Netherlands has stricter rules around emailing, for example. Uh, and so there's regional nuances, but actually there's also SDR nuances. Um, some SDRs are just way more effective of jumping on a phone call and having a really cool chat. Other SDRs are way better at writing emails that open up conversation. Um, and so it can be hard to balance, but one of the things we do in, in my team and the SDR function here at Dealfront is um, we don't enforce a certain way people have to work. We figure out what works for them mm. and then figure out how to embrace that more um, to replicate their success continually. Gotcha. Yeah, sounds good. So when it comes to putting together an outreach framework, and perhaps we could chat about a couple maybe email, maybe LinkedIn, maybe cold calling, whichever couple of those you want to do. I think what would be quite interesting is the flow of perhaps pulling 
a list of target accounts that you want to strike conversations with and, and generate meetings with, how we can then piece together a good outreach message, what that looks like on a couple of those channels, and then at what stages we weave in AI, and maybe even talking about the time it takes to kind of put that into play from, I guess, research, putting together the pieces and actually doing the activity. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite fun to go through. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, essentially at Dilfrant, we have um, kind of two, if we're talking about outbound, we have two main outbound uh, cadences. We're sales loft users um, at the moment. Uh, so we have two main cadences. Essentially, they're, they're very similar in structure. Uh, the only difference is, is the, the first one that we use is outbound with phone. And the second one is outbound without phone. So if we don't have, um, for whatever reason, we don't have a direct dial or we get stuck at gatekeepers continually, we will shift people from uh, the with phone to the without phone. And the without phone will focus more on emails and social selling. And the with phone will focus more on calls and emails. Um, We will start with phone calls always to see if that's a modality that can be used. Um, And if it can't, then we can make some informed decisions on where that person goes through our cadences. Uh, And it also means typically if we are getting through to them on the phone, uh, we get a yes or no a lot quicker. So you don't have to invest the time in personalizing or writing emails or recording videos and things like that. So uh, it also initial initial ones usually cool. And is, is there any AI that you involve in that? in that process or is it more of a case of more of a traditional way or what, what tends to be the approach on that initial call? Curious. Yeah. So, so we're quite lucky in terms of um, because we are a data provider at Dillfront, um, we can kind of drink our own uh, champagne a little bit. Um, so we can actually use our own tool to help um, identify companies that have been on our website and what they've been looking at uh, and find intent in accounts that way. Um, and then we can also use our own platform to uncover the decision makers' contact details. Uh, and the tools will help prioritize for our SDRs that way so that uh, they're able to focus on people that have a higher propensity to buy from us to begin with. So we'll leverage AI in that sense to get the SDRs the right people to focus on and know potentially what to focus on um, when. That being said, um, there are, you know, you can do similar things via LinkedIn. You just wouldn't have the person's contact details. Um, you can't necessarily track the people on your website, but you can prioritize accounts and, and try and embrace triggers in some capacity there. Um, once we have that, we will then uh, embrace things like, as I mentioned, LinkedIn summarize, um, chat GPT summarize to save a lot of the hours that you could spend researching people. And you can use that on LinkedIn. You can use it on a company's website. You can use it on someone's Twitter feed. Um, You can very quickly search someone across the internet, um, click the button a few times and get a really cool picture of them. And then that allows the time savings that we make there afford the SDRs to reinvest that in writing very personalized emails. Gotcha. So initially, we're starting with a call, and this person we're we're using we're using a tool, we're using a software to see they they've shown some level intent. Like they might have flicked through a few pages of a website, maybe they went onto the pricing page or something like that, or they've done something that shows they've got some kind of interest in our offer. And then we're we're reaching out to them initially via phone, and then I'm guessing if we don't get the meeting straight away or they don't answer, then we're moving on to 
email outreach. Yeah. And what what's the is there any for people that tune in perhaps thinking I could I could do that upping my email game is because uh, I know when it comes to email so many different B2B revenue leaders have got an idea of what looks good on email. Some like to go painfully short. Some like to ask questions. Others have different ideas like problem propositions or case studies and things like that. What what's what's working for you folks? Yeah, so um, this will differ from what uh, you know a lot of people say on LinkedIn. But um, what works for our team and gets us responses that say things like "This is the best email I've ever read." Are uh, it is leaning into like hyper personalization. So because we've been uh, saved that time, it buys the SDRs time to spend a bit longer on writing emails. And actually, as we move into next year, it's likely that we invest in AI tools uh, to take away some of that work as well, or the time that that takes. But right now we do it a little bit manually. Um, but the framework that we use would be, um, as an example, Sam, if I if you were my prospect, I looked you up online and I found that um, I'm going to use Tottenham Hotspur because they're the greatest club ever. So I'm going to I'm going to talk about Tottenham Hotspur. Okay. But let's say I found <laughs> let's say I found out you were a Tottenham Hotspur fan, Sam. And sorry if that offends you in any way. Um, I'll, I'll pretend I'm not a Liverpool fan for now. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, don't, yeah. God, let's not go down that route. Um, <laughs> but maybe I do, right? Maybe, I'm a Tottenham fan. Maybe I find you're a Liverpool fan, and so. I can absolutely open an email talking about VAR with you. Uh, the subject line can be Liverpool or VAR, uh, and I can start it talking about how bad VAR has been this season and how it's destroying things. But what I can then do is I can creatively link, uh, let's say in this instance, VAR back to the deal front offering. So maybe I'm talking about um, when VAR is used ineffectively, um, it means that, uh, you know, rep the referees are making poor decisions. It's changing the impact of games and it means Liverpool are losing points. They're further down the table than they could be. But actually, if VAR was used efficiently to gain, you know, proper visibility into decisions being made, was someone's big toe off offside and did that really give them a creative advantage? You'd be scoring more points. You'd be, you'd be scoring more goals. Uh, and ultimately, you, your team would be winning uh, the Premiership instead of Tottenham this season. And so what I would do is I would mention all of that, those points, but effectively say in the world of sales, it's the same thing, right? Having visibility into where you're being effective or using it to make uh, data-driven decisions, which change the outcome of your sales team is mm. imperative. Dealfront can help you do that. Are you interested to take a look at it? Mm. Got it. Got it. So super tailored to that prospect 100%. and their interests. And is that... When you're gathering that information from my case, like if I supported Liverpool, let's say, and that was going to be in the, the tailored email, would that be using a tool like Summer AIs for, for some kind of plugin that can pull that from my profile or similar? Absolutely. So, you know, it takes 10 seconds to Google, you know, Sam Dunn in Twitter, Sam Dunn in YouTube, Sam Dunn in LinkedIn, it will find you. In fact, sometimes you find some very amusing old photos of people online just by doing <laughs> that. Um, I wouldn't ever advocate for you to use those. Don't go in with that, that's going to be a risky cold email, isn't it? Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, that's the bad side of AI. Don't <laughs> don't lean into hey, I found your uh, holiday photos of you on a beach in the in the Bahamas. <laughs> but um, yeah, absolutely, quick search and then use use the tools to summarize what you can find, and then mm. pick the bit. Or what we do is we pick the bits out of that that we can be creative around. Um, we're talking about something you 
care deeply about, you're talking about online, you're posting about, but likening that to challenges that you will definitely, or very, using an educated guess, what you are probably experiencing in your role based on the job you're doing, and then bringing that back to how we could help them in the Liverpool example, how can we help you score more goals? Nice. And let's play devil's advocate a minute. For anyone that's the polar opposite and thinking, nah, I can I can go volume, whether that's calling or emails, and I can just use the typical problems that my prospects face, and yeah. I don't need to spend hours doing all this personalization or AI stuff. What is like, How long does it take your team roughly to perhaps put together something like you just mentioned there? Uh, to begin with, quite a long time. Um, so when when they, SDRs first start, it will take them a while. Um, they will second guess what they're writing a lot of the time. Um, once they become efficient, five minutes maximum. Got it. So it can be and quite quick. You can. And the thing is, you don't have to reinvent it every time, right? So let's say, for example, um, one of my team actually found out recently someone liked tennis, for example. And so it kind of summarized in like, let's score more aces together. Um, you don't have to rewrite the tennis email all over again. You can save that as a template. And then you're only really changing beyond that point a few few words to make it super personal again but the core of it because your proposition isn't changing every five minutes so sure. what you're saying about tennis rings true and relates back to your company it's actually then just the very top bit of emails yeah that, that you're going to change that make it very personal um and so you only really have to build it once for certain core subjects as well so we have like a list and we do these in role plays every week as a team we have a list of all the core things that we find about people that we would use as personalization points. And when we're doing role plays as a group or as individual, you know, manager and, and uh, SDR, we, we lay those out. This is what you found out about this person. This is their job role. This is the objections they're going to throw at you. And we drill them every single week. Nice. Nice. And then, so that that's the next step. And then if you don't get a response, is there, is there something else that you'll do? Is there another layer of personalization or any, any other stage that you'll follow up? Yeah, so what we desperately try and avoid is the, uh, you know, hey, Sam, just just checking in uh, or the just just bubbling this back up to the top of your inbox. So <laughs> actually, if, it's, if we're going the personalization route, uh, typically our follow-up would be a video adding more context. Um, so we're not really asking for... We never ask for a meeting because we, we avoid that um, dreaded, do you have 15 minutes next Wednesday kind of uh, typical line. Yeah. Um, so we always just aim to open a conversation. So for us, we would then lean into sending like a Loom video um, where we're sharing more context. Perhaps we're showing our platform behind us so we can point out certain things and how that might be beneficial. So we're actually educating at that stage. Uh, and rather than using a call to action, we employ what I would brand like a call to a conversation. So we'll just ask a question, like how do your reps manage these kind of things? Um, which again, it, it massively improves our response rate. Um, and it helps humanize it again, because uh, some people will reply and say, hey, to be honest, I thought it was just another generic email, but now I've seen you, I realize you actually put a lot of time and energy into this. And so even if it's a negative at that point and says, no thanks, or we're not ready, they still grace us with a reply, which is half the battle, really, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. And then at least you can kind of know whether it's worth following up or worth a conversation, or likewise, if it's if completely irrelevant, then cross them off your off your list for now. 
So, yeah, I mean, I've said this on the show a bunch of times before, but the amount of emails, and I'm sure you're the same, the amount of emails and LinkedIn messages I get is insane. But never, ever get cold. Well, I say never, ever. Maybe once every few months I get a cold call. Maybe once a year I'll get a video, tailored video message, like an actual tailored one to me. Yeah. Um, And I can't remember the last time I actually got a LinkedIn voice note. Just triggered into my mind there. So, yeah, just shows it's not if you get a little bit creative, it's not that difficult to stand out in the noise from what I've seen anyway, but it does involve a little bit of extra effort. But like you say, you can leverage some of these AI tools to get that personalization that you can to make you stand out a bit more. Yeah. If you can, you, and this is the benefit of AI, right? If you can use it to do a lot of that time consuming work, you know, there's AI tools that will do your admin for you, for example, or, while you're on a call like this, it will note take and then it will summarize those back into your CRM. So you're not having to do that. Mm. Then it takes you five minutes to check, you know, sanity check it, make sure it's good uh, rather than the 30, 40 minutes it might have taken you to actually go and write up and type a load of notes. And so if you can use AI to drive those efficiencies, then you're, you're freed up to use that time more creatively to have more impact. And that just drives your conversion rate on everything you're doing. Nice. And are there any other unusual use cases that you've seen, Stuart, whether that is for SDR setting meetings or whether that is involving the AEs when they're actually carrying out the meetings from, from an AI standpoint that's been quite effective? Um, not not necessarily unusual ways, but I think there's a plethora of like incredible tools out there that are growing every day, right? You know, I mentioned like note-taking uh, as an example. I watched a video by... Uh, I think the owner of, of a tool called Woodpecker, which is a note-taking tool that I just happened to see on LinkedIn for time to time. You know, he was shared a video earlier where they'd completely overhauled the, what the tool looks like because they hadn't overly invested in the UI, for example, as they were scaling. Um, I think as time goes on, these tools are just going to continue to um, get better and better and the use cases are going to become phenomenal just in ways that we can't even fathom at the moment of, you know, five years ago, if the, if someone had said to me, "Here's a here's a thing that listens to you, transcribes everything, and puts it in your CRM," I would have thought it was the best thing ever. Yeah. Now there's probably fifty or a hundred of those on the market that all do similar things, right? I think um, as as we continue over the next few years, the way we can embrace AI and the things that it can do for us. Um, is going to be unthinkable and it's it's going to be amazing if we can we can all leverage it for sure so we've talked about some of the processes how you can put ai into play we've talked about a lot of the benefits we brushed over it but what are some of the the negatives are some of the things that you've got to avoid or maybe even if you're open to it sharing some of the mistakes that you've made Stuart, or your team's made because that's always going to be useful for us so we can perhaps because i know I've, I've done plenty of them myself yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, the main mistakes that I see with AI is people, as, as I mentioned at the top of the call, uh, people wanting to use AI to do 100% of their job. Um, and a, a good example of that is the AI written emails that people use. Um, AI is great at writing you an email, but it isn't great at necessarily sounding or feeling human. Um, and so you're probably exactly the same as, as me, Sam, and I'm sure a lot of people out there are, where my inbox is filled, literally filled about 50 people a day uh, with 
just completely templated or very clearly written by AI emails. Equally, my LinkedIn is the same. I open one earlier and on LinkedIn, I have a dot in front of my name. And the reason I do that is it helps me spot AI. And because if someone puts the effort in, I'll reply to them. If they've just used AI and I'm just one of many and they're spamming me, I, I, I'm not going to waste my time, right? And so I got yet another one earlier. It said, hi, dot Stuart. And I know immediately you're using AI or automation to just flood inboxes. You don't care about me. You don't care about my success or my business. You care about booking a sale or a deal, right, in some capacity. And so um, I think the net negative of it is where you just employ it to do everything on your behalf, where that fails or is really obvious. You just disengage people and people remember how you made them feel. Mm. And so... People will remember, they might not remember you individually as an SDR, but they will remember your brand name and they will remember like someone from this company spammed me with totally generic bollocks that I didn't ask for and it was AI doing it. And you're going to lessen your results that you get over time. Um, And for a lot of SDRs and AEs, they only have finite markets, right? They only have a certain amount of accounts and yes, more accounts might grow and become part of that market, but if you just flood everyone rapidly and put most of that market off, then you're just going to have diminishing returns over time and and it becomes untenable. So uh, I think that's the negative side of it where people just embrace it too heavily. Um, They don't put that like human touch on it. They don't put the little bow on top of the present like they should. Um, And it's going to have negative uh, effects on them over time. If, if it doesn't immediately, it will over time. Yeah. Yeah, I, like you said, I don't think there's really any positive to using it to mass outreach because almost anyone could detect it. Even an idiot like me can see a message in my LinkedIn inbox and within two seconds read it thinking, when I see the word st- skyrocket and I'm going <laughs> to guarantee this and this is out of this world and all these really long words that you never probably hear in a normal conversation, you think, yeah, a robot's probably put that together. And, and the question is, how does it make you feel, Sam? annoyed i think <laughs> and what what the, and that's the point but what happens to your perception of the company that sent it yeah i mean like you say if it's if it's in the first two lines and it's got their name and then the company name you think well this company's just doing lazy tactics like why sh- why would i even consider working with them right which pretty much what you teed up just now yeah and then it and then it gets worse because every follow up that you get that an automatic chaser beyond that is is also just templated it's spam it's rubbish uh and your impression just worsens and worsens with every single time it happens i mean my inbox for example is filled uh dealfront is a data provider we provide data to people contact details my inbox is filled with people trying to sell me data and mm-hmm. it's just cuz i'm part of a mass mailing list that they're just spamming out the door some of it does look like it's personalized. It's clearly not because you don't know anything about our company. Um, I typically, if I'm going to reply to them, I reply with a little meme that just says we're a <laughs> we're a data provider too. And it's like <laughs> the Spider-Man looking at each other one. Um, but it just, it lessens your perception of their brand. And, and over time, that's going to hurt companies. Got it. Good stuff, Stuart. So, so to summarize from what we discussed, we're talking about use AI in a smart way. So use tools, plugins, whether that's reviewing people's LinkedIn profile or finding out relevant information about them that you can leverage to your advantage. But then you still need the common sense element. So whether that is a tailored email 
whether well, it's a tailored LinkedIn message, cold call, so you can weave in what you found out quicker than you would manually, but using some kind of AI software or tool, add your own tweaks to it, your own common sense, your own changes. And that's probably the best bet uh, based on where we are right now to kind of use it to score more meetings. Absolutely. hundred percent. I think, um, use it to do all the boring stuff, the mundane work that, uh, eats all your time and reinvest that time on the stuff that actually drives the results for you, whether that's an AE, SDR, uh, whatever your role, you can apply that across it. And uh, yeah, you can, you can get better results and, and it can take you less time and effort and you can focus on the fun stuff about sales. Nice one, sir. So with that, cool. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom on all things SDR, meeting setting and AI. Please do tell us more about how everyone tuning in can connect with you and a bit more about Dealfront. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for the <laughs> ability to uh, plug at the end here. So yeah, um, if people want to connect on LinkedIn, uh, and this is actually another test that I run, my LinkedIn will tell you exactly how to connect with me. If you're sending me a LinkedIn uh, connection, if you're emailing me or phoning me, um, it's always interesting to see who uses that. But if you want to connect with me, uh, LinkedIn is, I think my uh, URL is linkedin.com slash stuartmoss1. Uh, so you can you can connect with me. Please just read uh, the the preferences that I personally have about connecting uh, and emails, etc. Um, as for Dealfront, as I, I mentioned earlier, Dealfront is uh, a platform where um, there's a few different parts that you can embrace. So, firstly, you can track and monitor who is on your website or who has been on your website to help you prioritize your account lists uh, and see the accounts that have some knowledge of your brand, have some interest in your brand, and therefore should have some uh, higher propensity to buy from you or at least engage with you. Uh, and the second half of our platform uh, helps you find the trigger points in those companies that you can leverage, uh, will help prioritize further. It will help use uh, our own AI to uh, look at where you're winning and analyzing deals to suggest better places to focus your energy uh, moving forward so you can replicate your wins. Uh, and then provide the company and contact data that you might need to reach out to those people. So it will share people's um, phone and email addresses. The differentiator for us is that we use uh, public source. So we do not um, scrape people's LinkedIn's. We don't scrape people's uh, email uh, bounces or uh, sorry, out of offices and things like that. Uh, it's all public source. Um, so it's all publicly available. And if anyone ever says to you, where did you get my contact details? you can point them exactly to the source and show them uh, to avoid any any potential challenges there. Nice one, sir. And we should put all of those links in the show notes over at businessgrowth.marketing. Big shout out again to dealfront.com for sponsoring the show. Thanks once again, Stuart. Enjoy the chat. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me. No worries at all. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, why not give us a quick subscribe if you're tuning in on YouTube or a rating or a view on your podcast channel or Apple or Spotify. It's always appreciated. And with that, we'll catch you on the next one for more no BS, B2B marketing and revenue tips to grow your business. Catch you soon.